Thank you for listening to this Podcast One Sportsnet production. Available on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Week 15, mercifully, is over because that was really rough to watch. Um, we just got finished watching the Duck Hodges disaster. Kind of funny story. Uh, this whole week, no, because they've been flexed into Sunday night, I had to talk about Duck Hodges a lot more than I wanted to. And the iPhone always, you know, auto-corrects things <laughs> in a certain way. So for the entirety of the time I've had an iPhone, I've had an issue of typing in something and having it changed to duck so i went in and hard-coded it myself so that like any time i typed in the word i was trying to type in Mm -hmm. right it wouldn't uh autocorrect and that anytime i typed in duck on accident it would go to the word that i was Mm -hmm. probably trying to type in right so as a result appropriate yeah as a result i appropriately uh, was actually talking about duck hodges all week to people and they thought i was just uh just had a very dirty uh, sense of humor. So that I really think sums up that game, which was not great by by any side. Really, the highlight to me was Ben Roethlisberger's uh, beard. Yeah, I mean, um, the the tricky part about tonight's game was obviously like we got some flack for saying that, you know, on the internet of saying that like Duck Hodges had graded better than Josh Allen, and you know the the fact of the matter is is like. You know, Allen didn't play well in this game at all. He averaged less than six yards per pass attempt. He made, like, a few good throws, but a lot of crappy throws. He didn't run the ball particularly well. That offense put up 17 points, and frankly, you know, three of them, I believe, were off that turnover. After the interception by Tredavious White, the Bills trusted Frank Gore with more pass attempts than they did Josh Allen in that drive to take, you know, to tie the game. Um, but... You know, Hodges was terrible. I mean, you know, when you're looking at like throwing the ball, he was what two, you know, three for three for seven, throwing the ball over 20 yards downfield, but three of those passes were intercepted. He had the one that was, you know, he was only one for three, throwing the ball between 10 and 19 yards. And, you know, the, the Tredavious White interception was really bad. I mean, like one of, there's basically two plays in this game that kept Pittsburgh from winning and covering the spread, and that was the running the, the Wildcat inside the 15-yard line with a receiver and a running back, and then the Duck Hodges interception while they had the lead uh, to Tredavious White, uh, which was only not a touchdown because of great hustle by Andre Villanueva. We've just gone over the allotted time for talking about Duck Hodges and the Steelers. That game was brutal. It It, it was an upsetting game, in large part because they had playmakers that could make plays, and it seemed like he just held onto the ball for way too long tried to push the ball downfield when that's not his strong suit and in in a couple of situations where he should have just put it up to James Washington was putting it up to players not named James Washington and I thought Deontay Johnson was underutilized in that game but not having Juju really hurt them and you know it, it did reduce the amount of the amount we liked the game uh, by the time the the news came out on Thursday afternoon or Friday um, one thing to look at if you're a Bills fan and you're thinking about what does this mean for the future, Josh Allen just 4.5 yards per pass attempt from a clean pocket. Uh, the interception to Beasley was you know, kind of high, but Beasley probably should have been able to haul it in. Um, but 
you know, to win the AFC East, they need to win the next two, including one against the Patriots in Foxborough, and they need the Patriots to lose to, I believe, the Dolphins. So they're basically the five seed. So they got to go on the road in the playoffs. Can is Josh Allen going to travel in the playoffs? Is really the question. Man, that is a question. Let's go to something that people do care about, yeah. which is the Eagles and the Cowboys. See, that's the funny thing. People do care about the Eagles and the Cowboys, and they're both yeah, relative to the Bills. I think garbage. So interesting. I I do kind of agree with you. I think they all are not great, but the Eagles and the Cowboys are that they they're playing for a home playoff game, which matters. It means something because if you have a home playoff game, you have a decent shot at winning. And we've seen this in the past. Teams that uh, you know, if you if you were playing at home, you've got a shot. That's just the the fact of the matter. When I watched the Eagles and the Cowboys play today, the they both won. They could not have been more different in terms of the way that they won. The Eagles probably should have lost that game. Dwayne Haskins yeah, played. Ha- Haskins had them on the ropes. Haskins played very well. Terry McLaurin was the best wide receiver on the field, as we thought he would be. And then the Cowboys came up and just curb stomped the Rams. The Rams had to win that game. They did not. Uh, they had 247 yards after contact. I mean, that Dak Prescott didn't play particularly well. They just quite literally ran over the Rams defenders. The Rams missed 15 tackles in that game. Tony Pollard at 131 yards. His backup had like 125. <laughs> it was a pretty like solid effort by the the, the running back uh, by committee by the Dallas Cowboys. So uh, you know it was pretty it was pretty good to see. So you go into Eagles Cowboys next week. You got to figure we're going to talk about what the spread of this game should be. Is there a, what do the Eagles have going for them? I mean the Cowboys are the better team through and through. Yeah, if if our model likes Philadelphia, I'm not touching it with a 40-foot pole. Because, I mean, you're talking about a team that, aside from a play or two that's made by the quarterback, I mean, and, and when Wentz threw that touchdown, I believe, to Miles Sanders in the corner of the end zone, that was a throw that I think only he and a few other players can make. But aside from, like, really good individual plays, the Philadelphia Eagles have nothing on the Dallas Cowboys. And the Dallas Cowboys, we saw their defense today uh, played, you know, played pretty well. They, they pressured Jared Goff. Um, and then their offense just, like, put the hammer down. And, and Dak was efficient over the middle of the field. He was efficient deep. Um, you know, whereas with Wentz, for example, Wentz only averaged 5.4 yards per pass attempt from a clean pocket today. I mean, it's just not something that's sustainably winnable. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, I like Dallas in this next game, and I think, you know, they'll clinch the NFC East uh, by virtue of that win. Let's play a little, let's do a little uh, pre-mortem on this game. If the Eagles win, they're both 7-7. Seven and seven. Mm-hmm. Okay, The Eagles go uh, have a game at home. If the Eagles win, how do they win this game? Uh... The Eagles win this game because Dak turns the ball over a few times. You know, well, that's, which he, which what's interesting is that's the way that the Cowboys won the first matchup was that Carson Wentz and the Eagles turned the ball. It was kind of the start of the Eagles all of a sudden becoming a team that just couldn't make a play in the right situation. Um, what I think happens, I don't think necessarily it's about turnovers, but it's the Dallas Cowboys who come out and are great on first and second down and then get in their own way in the situations where they need to, which didn't happen against the Rams, but has happened basically up until this game. 
try and force feed the ball to Zeke against a good coverage linebacker mm-hmm. and a fourth down that they have to have, kicking a field goal when they should be going for it on a fourth down, um, drops that have plagued them all season. To me, the the team that comes out victorious is the one that plays least like the Falcons have throughout this point, the least falconry that can possibly happen. And the Eagles and the Cowboys have shown a lot of that so far this season. Yeah, I I, I, I agree. I, the problem is I just don't see the Philadelphia Eagles, even when another team you know, shoots themselves in the foot repeatedly, I don't see the Dallas Cowboys... I don't see the Philadelphia Eagles beating a team that's good, just even if they shoot themselves in the foot, right? And and I don't know, man. They're they're going to have to prove that to me. I think this weekend because it's not it's not something that I'm going to proactively predict or anything. Do you think the Do you think the the Cowboys are emboldened by the fact that they ran the ball over the Rams? They come out and try and run it, or they stick with Dak? I mean, as somebody who wants the win total under nine to cash at some point, I hope so. But I, I, so. I, I but I, I don't, um, I don't know. I, I, I just have a hard time because again, Philadelphia's defense. So we talk about that last game and how Philadelphia lost it against Dallas by not being efficient offensively by turning the ball over. But Dallas also kicked their ass as an offensive football team. Uh, and has Philadelphia learned anything since then? I'm not exactly sure. They haven't really, they haven't really played good offenses since. I mean the one the Miami Dolphins were the one team that put up a lot of points against them since then and they're not a good offense they just have a guy that can get hot at times like we have the Philadelphia hasn't been stressed really since that game and and I think that they'll be stressed here because Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, obviously the backs on the backfield tight Blake Jarwin's had a good season so um yeah I have a bold statement to make I think losing this game is the better option for both teams and here's why if the eagles manage to win this game and somehow win the nfc east it probably covers up a lot of really terrible things that they did this season and makes people think they're a better team than they actually are and they probably don't make as many changes on the cowboys side of things if they somehow win this and they go on a run in the playoffs and they keep everything kind of intact. Again, they cover up a lot of the maladies that they had this season. Mm-hmm. You can make a legitimate case that losing this game forces these teams to make some drastic changes that ultimately benefit them going forward. Yeah, but I just don't see Philadelphia doing that. I my my issue is that I think that they I think Doug Peterson's Super Bowl victory is going to um give him a lot of rope. They've already given a lot of rope to Carson Wentz. There's an, enough injuries this season where the you know the the statutes of limitations are I think they're not gonna you can basically blame a lot on this season and injuries on the offensive line injuries at wide receiver injuries on the defensive side of the ball and sort of get by you know and basically write this season off as a bad year right and so much like last year with the Eagles they can win out or whatever. And go ahead and have a and like say, hey, let's make a nice little one game run in the playoff and everything will feel successful given what they've had to go through. Whereas I do agree with you with Dallas. It's like if they win the division, go nine and seven or eight. And eight I mean, honestly, they win this week. There's no reason for them to play their starters the next week. So they win the division at eight and eight. Then after that, they're basically like, OK, well, we still got a shot here and we overcame 
I don't know what they they'll say they overcame, but they'll 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 say, hey, we made the playoffs for the third time in the last four years, and that'll be positive. I really hope they come through and win because we uh, we invested in Dallas to win the division when people thought that the Eagles should be the favorite, and uh, that was not the case. Mm-hmm. My 49ers, huge letdown game at home, and Kyle Shanahan came out and was like. The Falcons are treating this like their Super Bowl, and unless we treat it like the Super Bowl, we're going to lose this game. So apparently, the Niners did not treat this like the Super Bowl because they lost to the Falcons. And it's crazy how these the NFC West champion is going from the first seed to the fifth seed, yeah. back to the first seed, and then back to the fifth seed is what the Niners and the Eagles keep doing. And it, you know, basically what happens is that fifth seed is going to go to Dallas or Philadelphia and play a team. The fourth seed. And then the fifth seed is going to travel there. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they're going to have to go play one of these teams that has nothing to lose, is an underdog at home. Really don't want that. No. So I mean, it puts them, it puts you even at, in the rosiest of circumstances at a seventy thirty when it could be a hundred versus. I mean, you'll always take that thirty percent jump. So does this, this change? Thing. This changes the complexity of the NFC, in my opinion. And here's, I mean, here's why: the, the Seahawks are not as good of a team as the 49ers are. And so, what you do by increasing the chances that the Seahawks are playing at home, the Niners are playing on the road, is you make it a lot easier for the Saints because you put the Eagles, or sorry, you put the Niners in a, in a harder row, so there's a less less of a chance that you play the Niners. And if you do, you play them in a weaker setup. Mm-hmm. And if the Seahawks make it all the way through, you'd rather play the Seahawks because they're not as good of a team. So I think that the Saints were sitting at home today and going, thank God. This is the optimal situation for us. Yeah, I mean, and but they have to take care of business t- tonight. Sure, I mean, yeah, but, but they're a ten point favorite. Yeah, I, the the thing is, I agree with you. I do think if you're the New Orleans Saints, you view Seattle as far less of a threat, um, and you view San Francisco as a team that by the time they get to you after two rounds, uh, as far less. And you've also lost to them before, right? At home, you you have sort of tape on them. You you know where it could go wrong, so yeah, I, I'm I'm absolutely with you there that it, it makes it makes the Saints road a lot better, um, but it, again, like from the perspective of the 49ers, so this this loss today, really, so now they're what not they're ten and three no 11. eleven and three so. If they win out, they if they win out, they still get the one seed. Right. right. Well, they have to beat the Seahawks. Yes. So, like from the perspective of today's game, I know Shanahan like put on a brave face and everything, but like it was a classic letdown spot because you had you know you if you lose the game, there's really nothing to winning out and then getting the one seed. And, and so then the question becomes like, okay, what's what's that road? And I think that the 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 not to the Niners' point, their road is difficult, being at home uh, to the Rams this week, um, and then on the road to Seattle. So there there's still a, a really good path for them to the one seed, but it does get a lot tougher. What worried me about this game was if you're going to say that as Shanahan does, hey, we got to play like this is the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. and then you are. Up by two, and you've got a fourth and one, and you're playing the Falcons. Minute 50 left. If you're the Niners and you believe you're the best team in the NFL, particularly like the best running team in the NFL, 
You can't gain one yard? You're telling me you can't put the Falcons away, a team that has just... I mean, they have been laying on death's door for the entirety of the season. You decide to kick a field goal in that situation. To me, that was the antithesis of what they had been preaching that whole game. And that's the part that worries me. I was so emboldened by what they did in Baltimore, going for it on those fourth downs. And then... So I, I don't know whether to like read into that and be like, this is what they're going to do when it really matters, or was this just a, we actually don't care about this game that much? Here's a couple things. So I, I hate to say this, but it was a long yard. So like when you look at... Was like, it the longest one? Or? No, but it was like the field goal was technically eight yards behind. So it was, even the, the field goal that Gold hit was like a solid eight and a half yards behind. So when you look at like the, the game book, for example, it does say fourth and one, but it's, it was, it was at least fourth and one and a half. And so, and we do know that that does matter a little bit. That being said, like, what do they really have in a situation like that? What do they really have to lose? You're one of the best offenses in the NFL. Um, You're the, one of the best running games in the NFL and the Falcons defense was playing outside their mind. And I still think, you know, they, they weren't going to do a great job um, with you in that game. That being said, like, think about the Falcons did a great job in terms of, like, Grady Jarrett was an absolute monster in the game today. Uh, their secondary played fine, especially given uh, Desmond Trufant was out. Uh, and the Niners dropped a lot of passes. So it was, it, was, it was certainly a letdown spot. It sort of made me a little bit irritated that we didn't give the Falcons more attention in the plus 9.5 to plus 11 range, uh, you know, last week. Well... We didn't give a lot of teams attention. I know. Well, because we, the games, the games more or less suck. We went into that game thinking, okay, this game is going to suck. We thought this about a lot of games. We should address all of these these teams that we thought had quit or just had no chance for various reasons. I, you know, yeah. I mean, quit is a strong word, yeah. but have sort of given well, the up. One being, team we thought did quit didn't, and they blew out the the, the Cleveland Browns uh, this week. Uh, as as our you know was one of our plays. I decided that um, that Ben Roethlisberger's beard should be named Freddie Kitchens because it just keeps getting bigger and yeah. uglier and weirder and yeah. I mean, what the hell you, was you, that? But you look at Jacksonville. Jacksonville was down sixteen three. Uh, if there was ever a time to quit on a game and quit on a season, it would have been then. They go ahead and rattle off 17 unanswered, not only to cover the spread against Oakland as they closed at seven-point underdogs, right? It was a game. That was too much. When it got to seven, I decided. You're going to invest? I was going to invest in Jacksonville. And then they scored two touchdowns. Funny, I I text my friend Seren. Chris Conley scored the game-winning touchdown in the last game of the Oakland Coliseum. Can't see Chief, of course, because the Chiefs have owned the Raiders. Um (laughs) <laughs> and then and then Carolina comes back and gets through the back door. And I believe if the, the closing line was six, six and a half, they backdoored uh, Seattle in a game where Seattle actually made a really good fourth down decision at right. the end of, at the in the end of the game where they where the lead was comfortable. I think it was like 10 and they went for a fourth down and inside the 10 and actually scored a touchdown. They needed most of those points by the time Carolina you know, was pretty scrappy in this one. Well, here's what happens. We see these ga- these teams play terribly, right? So we've seen Arizona play terribly, three straight games. Mm-hmm. And people write them off. And then what happens is you go home and you're an Arizona Cardinals player and you go, you know what? No, I've got nothing to lose. And they come out and they play free. And it's, it, it's, the, it's what I expected, honestly, to see. I, well, I will expect to see from the Cleveland Browns now that they're 
out of it is that they'll come out and they'll play great, right? But when the when things are on the line, when the season starts, right, and everything matters, these teams can't compete because they're just not good enough. But in situations where they've got nothing to lose and they play free, they can get some of these, you know, these plays on the right side of variance that catapult them yeah. into this confident you know, way of playing. And that's what happened with the Cardinals. That's what happened with the, the Falcons, certainly. I mean, the Falcons have a ton of talent. Julio Jones is yeah. ridiculous. But the, the great thing about the Falcons was they were down by three, and it was like there was about 10 minutes left in the game. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, the Falcons are at least going to cover this game. They forced a punt on San Francisco. It's only 13-10. And Kenyon Barner fumbles a punt, and the ball gets returned to the two-yard line. I'm like, Okay, it's the same Falcons nonsense. They give up a touchdown, gold shanks the extra point, so they're still covering the spread. And the Falcons, what do they do? They drive down, they score, right? They hold San Francisco eventually, and then they, they go in and it takes them multiple times, and they score. It's like it wasn't even one of those things where it was like variance and it was just continuously good things that happened to the Falcons and even the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was that they fought back, and these were up-and-down games, and you know, a, a testament to them as professionals, I guess. I know you're going to bring up Travis Kelsey at some point here, so I just want to mention that George Kittle was amazing today. Was I'm, ridiculous. Yeah. He had 17 targets, caught 13 for 134 yards, 100 yards after the catch. Yeah, dude he, is an absolute monster. Yeah, he's great. I mean, it's not as efficient as 11 for 12 for 142 mm-hmm. in the snow, but it, it but it was really good. I mean, he was the thing about George. The thing about George Kittle is when he has the ball and there's four yards between him and the first down, and I don't care how many people are there, he's getting the first down, except for the last except for the last play of the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of like, but he if he has control of the football, he's not going to be stopped. The the bad part of this game for the Niners was certainly that um, Jimmy G was not excellent. Far from it, actually. Didn't even attempt to pass 20-plus yards downfield, which is weird. Shanahan loves to take shots, so that that was strange to me. Just 2-4-7 on throws uh, between 10 and 19 yards down the field. Not good. But uh, I'm confident. I'm confident the March to Miami will continue. It took a bump. A little bump. Let's... Let's talk briefly about the Browns, though, because we mentioned the Cardinals coming out and steamrolling. They got to cut bait, right? Yeah. I mean, the fact that Baker Mayfield went from a player who was terrific last year down the stretch to a guy. I mean, today he averaged 5.7 yards for clean, uh, clean pocket pass. He was only one for six throwing the ball over 20 yards downfield. He threw a terrible interception to start. I mean, the thing about this game is the Browns had a shot. They drove down into the red zone, down seven nothing. He throws a pick to Patrick Peterson. Mm-hmm. You know, they get they get the ball down, they get the ball back down. I believe it was twenty one seventeen, and they go three and out. Like the, the, this, just there's something with this team, and you can't blame you can't blame it on Nick Chubb. The dude's running for one hundred thirty yards, and you know, big plays like their big plays on that team are in the run game, and their their running backs are. The best their entirety player. of their offense. I mean, Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt, uh, nine targets, eight receptions, uh, sixty-two yards. Yeah. Odell Beckham. The, the thing for me that is so crazy that I just do not understand is how Odell Beckham Jr. could have gone from being a top five wide receiver as a rookie. You know, the guy was insane. Eli Manning's throwing him the ball. And now he's dropping passes. I believe he has seven on the year yeah. so far. Uh, 
the chemistry between he and, and Baker Mayfield is negative. And at some point you have to go like, why is this the case? Yeah. Because, because Baker appeared in every way to back Freddie Kitchens going into the season and then has turned in these continually from, from a clean pocket, just making plays that if he made them in, you know, in Oklahoma, he'd be like, what, who's this quarterback? Yeah. Whereas, I mean, you look at Kyler Murray today in the game, he, now he did, he only threw, he only threw one pass over 20 yards downfield that counted. He also threw the one that, well, you know, was a basically an interference, but he averaged 10 yards per pass attempt from a clean pocket. Right. It was terrific today. I mean, and, and Baker 5.7. So when you look at those two guys, unfortunately, like, you know, unfortunately these things oscillate for the, the for the players early in their career. But, um, you know, let, let's take a positive away from that game. And it's Kyler Murray. The negative, of course, is the how messed up the Browns are. And uh, the league is a better place when the Browns are good. So, it would be nice for them to sort of get it together, but it probably won't be the case until they get a new head coach. And that head coach, in my opinion, is going to be Mike McCarthy. And I'm excited for it. I, I think Mike McCarthy got a raw deal in Green Bay. Okay. And sometimes you need a year of exploration and learning. Yeah. And I think Mike McCarthy's going to do it. What about, so that's a good point, but if you're McCarthy... Let, let's ponder this for a second. If you're McCarthy, would you rather have the Browns job or the Los Angeles Chargers job? Oh, you think Anthony Lynn's out? I mean, I don't think there, there's Interesting. much. Interesting. Well, let me let me continue this. Would you rather have the Browns job or the Atlanta Falcons job? So I think that's the tricky one. Okay. Would you rather have the Browns? So here are the other jobs. What What would they stick out to you? Jacksonville? No. I mean, Florida's nice. Carolina's another one. No. Okay. Um, here's one. The New York Giants. No. Storied franchise, National Football sure. League. Sure. But young you, quarterback, right? It, so so really you're making the choice between Baker Mayfield and Danny Dimes, and I would make the Baker Mayfield decision. Well, or, I mean, I guess not much of a chance now, but you could have had the shot at the number one pick. Yeah, you're going to get the two overall pick, when, in which case, if McCarthy is round, rounding on, yeah. up all this information that people have you know that people have been saying he's been doing you're going to trade that pick back and you're going to accumulate this war chest and you're going to go into it with a pretty solid offensive line some good skill position players uh dog shit defense but you'll right. accumulate some of that and then danny dimes who you basically have to be sold on um those are i mean those are some jobs that i think are like pretty enticing washington would be one but washington's a mess so well okay let's rank them Okay. Uh, Number one job. It's a really I. I would say the Giants are first for me. Really? Yep. Wow. And then and then it would go for me. It would go Washington. Or sorry, Giants. And then. I honestly think Carolina would be behind the Giants. Really? Yep. And then, from there. So so here I can't decide between Atlanta, Cleveland, and the Chargers. We have a very different lists here. Okay, so what would your first be? I think my first would be the Browns because you have you have the potential there to have a quarterback that can actually take you 
10 years down the road. I have less faith in, in Daniel Jones than, uh, than I do Baker Mayfield. I think number two would be certainly not the Washington Redskins, even though I do like some of the talent they have on their team. Yeah. Number two for me would be the Atlanta Falcons because you have the, you can start winning immediately. Yeah. And number three we're assuming Dallas is not an open position because they're the odds right. on favorite right, to right, the right. NFC East. And uh, number three would be the New York Giants. My thing with the Chargers would be you have a pretty talented team. You do. And you're going to probably still have a year or two of Phillip Rivers. You're going to be but you, entering a new stadium. But yes. you, and but the, the, the kicker for me is that you have, you're the second fiddle in that city. Well, it, and it can go downhill super quick, and you have an owner that has been repeatedly cheap, and you you have a training staff that repeatedly does a poor job. I mean, there's yeah. so many things. But going Cleveland, against Cleveland's not a Cleveland's not a uh, Cleveland is not a like a pristine place either I no. mean, with the owner and stuff. The thing with the Giants, which is interesting, is that if Shermer goes, I think Gettleman goes as well. In which case, you could have a John Lynch, Kyle Shanahan situation. Ooh. In which case, you both are sort of locked That's up with each other. But you would not. I don't think you would have that in Cleveland with Dorsey, frankly. That's true. Uh, we have to celebrate. We do because we've been holding this back. Can I read the mean tweets for uh, a while? Yes, this is a great idea. So the Chicago Bears officially it took them all the way to Week 15, which is impressive for them. They're not going to. They're not going to make it to over nine and a half wins. They like the Jaguars started three and one. Weirdly, they're not going to make it to nine and a half wins. We got so much heat, took so much flack from Bears fans about how yeah. stupid we were for saying that they were the remix of the Bortles led Jaguars and how they were going to go under mm-hmm. their win total. Uh, so do you have the the mean tweets up? Why? So we have, you know, they're not even tweets. Our, they're, our, they're worse than that. They're our, YouTube comments. So there's 149 comments on our YouTube from May 30th when we said Bears under nine and a half. <laughs> Bakari Finley, y'all was wrong last year. Two T O. Um, Rosario Rodriguez, PFF is so garbage. I'm, I gotta find Jonathan Paez. George and Eric take a mathematical approach and do not know shit about FB. Clearly. People come in and saying the over is a lock. Ricky Rex, this is the last one I'm going to read. Ricky Rex, quarterback, quarterback two words, with the most negatively graded throws, and that's a reason why you don't have faith in him. Not third down percentage, QBR, LMAO, not anything relevant. No, these guys are lame as hell, yo. We get it. Y'all don't like the Bears. Here's the thing. We like the Bears. We like efficient football, though, and unfortunately Mitch Trubisky uh, did not he didn't quite get it done. He didn't quite get it done this year. He did not quite get it done. We made the point. He started to come back a little, and we started to get some more tweets about how we have a right a, an agenda that yeah. And uh, of course, today, uh, young Mitchell. Let's let's look at how young Mitchell. It was not it. great. While you're looking that up, I will make the point that we made the last time, which is that Mitch Trubisky led the league in negatively graded. throws last year and that is something that is very stable for quarterbacks from season to season why because it tells you a lot about their ability to make accurate throws Mm -hmm. down the field and to take sacks that they don't want to take sacks i know it's shocking but you don't want to do that and we have just never seen a quarterback be that bad in terms of negatively graded 
throws and then lead a top 10 offense. It just doesn't happen. And shockingly, it didn't happen. Trubisky did throw for 348 yards today. Granted, they were behind the whole two picks. They were behind the whole time. Under seven yards per attempt when clean, under six and a half yards an attempt. What's crazy is that uh, trick play at the end was almost should have worked. Tight end. He. Pitched it too late. Yeah, we could have even gotten. I know we talked about the Bears possibly covering that game. We didn't end up having it as a pick, but they could have covered with that. You know, even if they would have missed the two point conversion, so it was kind of a, a rough one if you were a Bears fan because they did actually, they did actually give you a shot to win, but unfortunately, it was just too much. Stuff. And and again, we talk about variance, right? The Bears led the NFL in turnovers forced by the opposition. By three percent of drives last mm-hmm. year, which is a ton, and they're just not nowhere near that position this year. Uh, you know, Rodgers played like crap today, but there were none of these back-breaking touchdowns by the defense that they were getting in 2018 that everybody said was going to happen in 2019. It just didn't happen. And what does that mean? That means every time that Mitch wants to score a touchdown, he's got to drive the length of the field, and he's just not good enough to do that repeatedly uh, to win these games. So. Um, you know, they, they gave they gave us a little bit. You know, this thing could have gone under a month ago. Um, so they won three straight games, but it ultimately um, ultimately finally did it with two games to go. Thank God. Nagy stays there. Do they yeah. pick up they pick up Mitch's uh, option? They have to, right? They kind of can't. They're kind of hamstrung by the fact that they went all in. Yeah, I mean. The, it's a, honestly a lot of this sounds stupid because it's like Jameis, but like the Jameis is like the key domino in this offseason, right? In terms of the quarterback position, if Jameis leaves Tampa Bay, like he's going to have a market, and then like teams that are sort of like wondering whether or not they should keep their quarterback around are probably going to give him a shot. And then after that, it's like, okay. Well, you've got Ryan Tannehill as well. you got Ryan Tannehill as well, who didn't play as well today, but was has been great. You have you have Jameis. You also have Teddy Bridgewater. You have you have a lot of quarterbacks. Maybe Cam Newton. Maybe Cam Newton. And unlike last season. Eli Manning. Eli Manning. There are a lot of spots. <laughs> Joe Flacco. There are a lot of spots for, for quarterbacks. Like, unlike last year, last year there was one starting quarterback job available. It was Miami. And no one, Ryan Fitzpatrick would be another guy. I think his contract is only one year. So you, you have a lot of dominoes. I think Jameis is the, is the first domino to fall. And that's so weird to me because, again, like, we propped up Jameis this year. But until this year, he was kind of bad. This year he at least has some good with the bad. I'm just going to say this. There's no way that Jameis is the domino that matters for Chicago. Chicago can't go out there and replace Mitch Trubisky with Jameis. And lit, like that's just Ryan Pace not going to do that. He's not going to be able to walk from his car into the stadium or get his car into the stadium if he does that. I can just tell you that right now. So to me, the option is they're either going to have to like tear it all down or they're going to give him one more year, and I would bet anything that Ryan Pace gives them one more year. Well, they have to wait until they get a first-round pick again, right? And so, so okay, if that's the case, then how long do they start him? They give him all of next year. See, I th- I think it's more of a Bortles like last year's situation where he gets a pretty early hook. And well, but who do they? Well, that's what I'm saying. So then the next question I was going to ask is who is their veteran backup? Who is their? Now, this sucks, but like who is their Cody Kessler? Who is their? Who's the guy that's like youngish? bad but like is you know because if chase daniel has to play a whole year his arms go fly i got one for he's you he's like a short sean hill i got but, one 
Is there any way they get Nick Foles over there? I mean, I would. That'd Philly should trade for Nick Foles. Speaking of the Bucks, which we just talked about with Jameis, they have made a Herculean rise, and we just have to mention this quickly because for our friend Timo, who's a big Bucks guy, but also, you know, we talked about the Bucks a little bit as being a nice potential over, and they somehow got it done. Uh, it was I, weird. I, it, I, they, I mean, talk about roller coaster, right? I chalked that up as a loss. So long, but, yeah. So long ago. Won, but they, they had the game against the Giants where Matt Gay missed the field goal. That was a game they had a like a what a, a 18-point lead, and they lost. They lost the game in Tennessee, which was a fumble return that should have been. Yep. They lost in overtime to Seattle in Seattle. Like, this is a team that, like, a couple things go their way. They're, what, nine and whatever? Like, and yeah, I'm not, you know, but then, of course, they go back and win all these games now. Jameis threw an interception on the first drive again this week for the fifth time this year. And, of course, the joke is, is, like, he has him right where he wants him. The worst games are when Jameis plays well for a long time and then screws it up. But, you know, when he's up and down, you, you sort of know it's a Jameis day, and it was really a Jameis day today. Leading the NFL in passing yards by over 230 yards. So The Bucks are going to somehow keep Jameis Winston and run this back and be one of the most fun. I really believe that they could they could be one of those teams that this year was not great. But I have faith in Bruce Arians. I have faith in those wide receivers. It could be a lot of fun. Bruce's first year with Arizona was kind of this weirdly, they were 10-6 and in that NFC West that had, you know, San Francisco and Seattle both go to the NFC Championship game. It was kind of under the radar. I think that's very much how, I mean, there's a really good chance Tampa Bay finishes 9-7 and and they don't make the playoffs and they're kind of sneaky next year. They have a lot of young pieces on both sides of the ball. That's all I'm going to say. They drafted a lot of coverage players too. I wanted to ask you this because uh, I have a team that I'm keeping my eye on that you may be familiar with that I think is a real like I'm, there's a lot of parody in this league right now. The Ravens seem to be the class of the NFL, but still there's some some questions there, right? Some teams that beat them. In fact, one of the teams that beat them was the Kansas City Chiefs. The Kansas City Chiefs came out and put on an offensive show in the snow. I mean, it was ridiculous. Yep. Mahomes was absolutely just dealing downfield. I mean, it was it was a joke against a Denver team that had covered five of the last six games. That has a good defense. That has a good defense. And I talked about this before, which was they suffered a lot of injuries. People kind of got off them, but it helps to have those injuries earlier on yep. because it gives you a chance to heal up and get strong. And they have had no impediment in their division whatsoever. Yeah. So, in an AFC where it's it's the Ravens and then the Chiefs. I mean, who else? And the Chiefs are the team that that can beat the Ravens because they have an offense that can get out and get the lead early. And then you look at the NFC and you go, okay, yeah, there's some strong teams, but they all have a, a major flaw, and they're going to have to play each other. Why not the Chiefs? Yeah, Mahomes is what. Well, 13 of 15 throwing over 10 yards today or it was, something like it that. It was an absolute 90, show. 24 of 25 from a clean pocket, 292 yards, 11.7 yards for passing him. He was terrific. Sammy Watkins came to play. Obviously, I talk, talked about Kelsey, Hill, 
Um, they didn't run the ball successfully, really, the whole game either. It was 24 for 25 from a clean pocket. Unbelievable. 300 I mean, yards almost. So, and then, and as I said, Denver was a team that had been playing really well, covering spreads, um, especially defensively. And then the thing that was really good to see from Kansas City today was their coverage players were just tenacious. I mean, Tyron Matthew had interceptions. He had balls knocked away. Juan Thornhill as well. Um, yeah, I mean, if you're a Chiefs fan, you are a huge Buffalo Bills fan right now. I mean, if True. Buffalo goes into Arrow, or sorry, into a Foxborough next week and wins, Kansas City wins out. It's not a it, you know, and and you know, you guys have the you guys have the game on next Sunday, so we will. It'll be less of a under the radar team by virtue of the fact they play in Chicago uh, next Sunday for Sunday Night Football, but. It is a really underrated team, and I hope it stays that way because they're sneaking up on people. There is a potential for a Chiefs. You know, we're we've been hoping for Ravens so and so on the NFC side, but a Ravens Chiefs matchup. I, I'm not sure there's a more exciting matchup there. Lamar Jackson. Everyone is talking about how he's the most exciting quarterback in the NFL right now. You've got to put Lamar Jackson on that. Uh, I'm sorry. You've got to put Pat Mahomes on that same level. I mean, this guy has been the best quarterback over the past two seasons. And the, the difference in the way that they make you go, holy shit, mm-hmm. is so fun to watch. And the difference in the way that both those coaches are, are brilliant in Reed and Harbaugh is something that I would love to watch. I'm not sure there's a matchup that I would be more excited for, uh, even though the Ravens Niners, you know, would be, would be really exciting. We have gone on for nearly 41 minutes. Yep. Do you want to do a quick Monday night football preview? Or no, do you move on. Just go to PFF green line. Uh, that, that actually has worked a lot better than listening to our picks over the last yes. like three, four weeks. You are making money by going to PFF green line and not listening to us. Talk about this game. It is on to week 16. There are some good games here. There are three Saturday games. So what we're going to do is uh, all three of those games are actually now decent games. So those are going to make it into the first cut. And then we've got uh, a couple from Sunday and a Monday night game before we get on to the the trash heap that is uh, the rest of the slate. You ready to go? Yeah. Houston at Tampa Bay in the early Saturday game. No Thursday game. Early Saturday game. What'd you have here? Yeah, I had Tampa Bay minus one. I had Tampa Bay plus two and a half. It is between us. Tampa Bay is plus one and a half. Yeah. I, I couldn't imagine that Tampa Bay would be favored in this game. Now, I didn't expect them to lose to the Lions, but I also didn't expect a win in Detroit to matter that much. Yeah, but I, I figured because Tennessee was favored... I, I thought that there was at least a decent chance that Tennessee would have knocked off Houston this week. And if they wouldn't have slept walk, I mean, honestly, all the, a lot of these games changed by, uh, you know, on a dime. But, you know, that game changed because of two interceptions in the end zone for Tennessee. Right. And an interception in the end zone that was run all the way back uh, almost for a score for Houston. That game could have gone either way. And I think if it would have gone Tennessee's way, you might have seen more support for Tampa Bay in this spot. Well... I'm not sure. I mean, I I obviously did this earlier. I'm not sure I don't like Tampa Bay in this spot. I think if you look at ELO or you look at our grades or whatever. Here's the only issue. Evans and Godwin. Yeah. The funny, my, one of my favorite things to do, though, on a Sunday is to follow along NFL Jesus 
and and read the names where it says like Jay Winston passed for 38 yards to random name. I love looking at the random names because he does. He does. He does. Like they but were part throwing of that, at the end of the game yeah. after that pick six. That's true. He threw for another like 60 yards and a touchdown. So I agree with you. I think the hard part is is if Godwin and Evans are out, then you're talking about Bashad Perriman and all bets are off at that point. He might even throw to OJ Howard in that game if he. If, no if, chance. Yeah. Uh, Patriots are at home. And they get the uh, the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. I had the Patriots favored by six and a half. Uh, same, and we are right on market. Did watching tonight's game change no. that? No. Yeah, it's funny. This Buffalo played exactly how I thought Buffalo would play. New England played exactly how I thought New England would play in Cincinnati here. By the way, so I flew in this morning. And usually when I fly in right before a Bengals home game, I'm not worried about traffic at all because no one goes to those games. Everyone and their mother and sister was at this game. There were Patriots jerseys everywhere. It was the most traffic I've ever seen in Cincinnati. It was, I mean, it makes sense. You'd go see Tom Brady if he comes to uh, your place, particularly if it's in Cincinnati. This game is very interesting because... I'm still I still have so many question marks about the New England offense. And we saw today that the Buffalo defense has playmakers that can take advantage of deficiencies. Yeah. And New England certainly has deficiencies. But in New England I have a really hard time with, with Josh Allen. Yeah, that's me. I mean I think the the hard part was tonight's game. Pittsburgh created some turnovers, but the turnovers didn't result in points the way that it did for Buffalo. And sure, there's a path here for Buffalo to win by doing the things they did tonight. But they're but we saw with New England, they're just as capable of doing that to a bad quarterback. And, and so you look and say, okay, if those things are a wash, then the better quarterback is still in New England. And I don't know though. I mean, it's really hard for me to envision those receivers and tight ends getting open against Buffalo though. I mean, I don't know. Our, I would, from a numbers perspective, I feel like it's New England, but from a how can New England separate themselves from Buffalo situation? I don't see it other than trick plays and turnovers. Right. It's crazy to think about. That's how you expect New England to break it open, and that's how they did it against Cincinnati. Yeah. The Rams go to San Francisco uh, in the nightcap on Saturday. What did you have this one at? Uh, I said five and a half, San Francisco. Wow. I was heavy here. I mean, obviously, I thought San Francisco was going to win today. San Francisco favored by eight and a half. It is six and a half, which... Our numbers, would, I, I feel like we're going to be on the Rams again. Do you? Yes. Interesting. The Rams were garbage today. Brutal. But again, it's one of those where like, oh, this team quit. The thing is. I'm not saying they quit. Road Jared Goff is a bad version of Jared Goff. Now, I, here's the thing with the Rams. And I thought they were going to be successful against the Cowboys because the Cowboys are not a good team. Mm-hmm. The Niners are a good team and the Rams can't beat good teams. They can beat mediocre teams. They can be bad teams. They can't beat good teams because Jared Goff, at the slightest sign of anything not being great, it turns into a puddle. If you switch the quarterbacks with these two teams, I feel like they'd be more equal, is all I'll say. Like, I think the Rams' skill position players are as good, if not, well, Kittle, though. Well, I think, I feel like Robert Woods and Kittle are the same cluster of player. They're both very elite at their position. But the so, but I think like Jimmy G is not the type of quarterback to wilt 
going on the road, playing a good team under pressure, all that kind of stuff. So if you put it, if you put golf on the 49ers with, I would say right now is an even better, a pretty ideal yeah, environment. Then no, I think point. they're closer, but unfortunately they're not. And you know, this one's going to be tough because I think we're probably going to like the Rams. I hate to, hear as we did the I first hate time. to hear that really don't like hearing that. Uh, all right. You hate rooting against the Niners. Which of the Saturday games uh, is the best, in your opinion? Uh, Buffalo, New England. I mean, I, I want to see, for the sake of for the sake of all that is holy, I do want to see Buffalo. You know, take down take down New England, make New England earn that two seed. All right, I think it's Rams uh, Niners. Shocking. Sure. All right, Sunday. Uh, two games that we're going to talk about. Dallas at Philadelphia, which we uh, spoke about just a minute ago. Yeah. Obviously a very big game. I have Philly as a two-and-a-half-point favorite at Yeah, home. I had Philly as a one-point favorite, and the market is done with the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are two-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. And, in fact, if you want to lay the two-and-a-half with the Cowboys, it's minus 125. So like I, Dallas is I know that, a three point favorite here. I know that the Eagles were unimpressive. I get it. Are they at home? Well, they have the better coach. I mean, to to a degree, I think. They are they are of course banged up. They can't cover anybody. But a division game, you're gonna. This is a lot, right? I mean, assume that, that you give say, say you give the Eagles two and a half points for home field. Maybe three, right? There's a five point gap between teams with the same record. Yeah, I mean, I think I that's think, a lot. Yeah, I. To, I'm starting to sour a little on the Rams, just given how we, you know what we've been saying about them here. I, I think they're giving way too much weight to the to the to the fact that Dallas beat a Rams team at home that isn't very good. I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, this will be interesting because at the end of this, we're going to say, "Where would you put your money?" Right, and. I mean, I have a really hard time putting my money on the Rams or Philadelphia, but that might be where the that might be where the value is. All right. Next up, we have the uh, Sunday night game, which is Kansas City, your Chiefs, going into Chicago, and I have Chicago as a two and a half point underdog. Yeah, I had Chicago as a three and a half point underdog, and they are five point underdogs. So, wow. so wow. Here's the thing, like. And this is like a quote-unquote situational spot. That's we think they quit. Yeah, that's what that's I'm saying. That's what this is. So, so if we if we throw that caution to the wind, and we say, okay, Chicago is not actually going to quit, even though they just had their hopes dashed. Do we do we actually? Because because I I feel like these teams are closer. Then I mean, if you look at the quarterback, it's about a five point difference in the spread. But if you look at other things. I think it's a lot. I think it's probably more like a field goal game. Five is a lot, man. Home. I mean, Kansas City. I don't know. I mean, Kansas City's on a roll here, but I I feel like that you're you're buying them at the top of the market at at five five and a half, and you're selling Chicago basically on the trading. You know, basically just saying, hey, this is junk. You know, yeah, let it go. And they would need. I mean, they need help. They need New England to lose. Well, and there's the other thing. So if New England were to win, 
against Buffalo on the, on the Saturday, it's less unless you have a Kansas City over ten and a half ticket. It's really a meaningless game, right? And and, and so then because they're the three seed, I guess there's an issue if they fall back another game because Houston has a tiebreaker with them. But you know. That being said, there's a lot of that can transpire before this game that would make Kansas City's incentives different. That's a great point. The Monday night game is Green Bay at Minnesota. Yep. I have... Actually, you, it's your turn. Go ahead. Vikings by three and a half. I have Vikings by two and a half. It opened at four. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I, personally, I personally bet this at Green Bay plus four. Early in the week, and I or last week in the look ahead, and I thought to my, I thought Minnesota was going to lose to the Chargers. And I know that wasn't a pick for us or anything, yeah. but I thought that the Chargers were, and they did give the Vikings a game for basically half, and then there was the fumble return, and then True. It basically was over after that. Uh, and I, I didn't think I didn't, I didn't know that Green Bay was going to necessarily just be terrible against the Bears and still win, but like. I did think Minnesota was going to be humbled a little bit on the road and at, you know against the Chargers, and that just simply didn't happen. So it's hung here at four. However, it's trending towards three and a half. Yeah. If you want to buy the, the four with the Packers, you have to lay 115. The Vikings beating the Chargers in a home game in Los Angeles is meaningless, in my opinion. What really matters here is that you've got Kirk Cousins against Aaron Rodgers. And what do you think of Aaron Rodgers right now? Because if you think he's playing like a an average quarterback, which is kind of what he's playing like, then yeah, four makes a lot of sense. The other side of that is, well, it's Kirk Cousins, and we know what Kirk Cousins does when the when the chips are down and you need to make big plays and you're playing another team that's actually competent, which is not the Chargers. Mm-hmm. And that is not, usually not good news for Kirk Cousins' team. Plus, you've got a Vikings defense, which we have said, and you've been the first to point this out all season, is fraudulent. They got burned a few times today before the turnover started happening. So I would see this. I think this gets to three. Yeah. Well, let's just put it this way. If it stays at four, it probably will be a pick for us. I, I would yeah. anticipate it to be so. Um, that is. Th- should we just run through the, the we, numbers for the rest of the games? Yeah, we've got we've to pick them to see where, where we might be off here. I don't know where Green Bay... Uh, Minnesota, there it is. Uh, four. So wow. if you're looking at so All right. Cincinnati against... Cincy, Miami. What a game this is going to be. This is in Miami. I have Miami minus three. Same. And I saw this actually tweeted out. Miami is only a one-point favorite. I will take Miami. Uh, yeah. One point favorite. Why? I f- I th- I personally thought that Miami was going to win against the Giants. Sure. Yeah. I, but okay. uh, Pitt, uh, Pittsburgh, and Tuck Hodges go to New York and they play the Jets. I have the Jets as a one and a half point underdog. Yeah, I have two and a half. Do you have? Before was there a I look can ahead? find this for you. Um, it was pit minus three. Okay, so I would assume that comes down a little bit um, based I mean, on that performance. I mean, the fact that we talked about this, and this is why we didn't pick Pittsburgh as our pick of the week, was because 
when you can't move the ball offensively, it's really hard to separate. And when I look at these two teams, I look at the Jets off of a 10-day off. Sam Darnold can move the ball. It's going to be hard for Pittsburgh to cover this. Sam Darnold's playing really well. He's played a lot better than he did at the beginning, yeah. Playing really well. Giants, <laughs> these games are incredible. The uh, Giants and the Breadsticks in Washington. The Washington Redskins, what do you have uh, this game as? I said they would be two and a half point favorites. Same. And it's two minus 115, so we're basically there. Yay. Dwayne Haskins looked good. Yep. A lot he of has looked legit, and Terry McLaurin is also legit. If you're a Washington Redskins fan, you have been absolutely devastated for a very long time. You have a if, chance now. If you can just get a coach that knows you know, his you-know-what from a hole in the ground, you've got a shot. Yep. Panthers at Colts. Man, what a game. I have the Colts favored by five and a half. I said three and a half, and I'm assuming that's, wow, six and a half. All right, so we're on the Carolina train, are we not? Appears that uh, way. It appears that way. But, you know, no T.Y. Hilton. You assume T.Y. Hilton comes back for this game. Yeah, but there are injuries tonight that, or to, yeah, tonight that we are not anticipating. Sure. There are probably, there's probably this, I mean, I think if you want to get Carolina at plus six and a half, you take them now before Indianapolis gets drilled tonight. Right. And the number goes down. But All right, this is a game that I'm going to be wrong on. Baltimore at Cleveland. Yeah, this was a lock of the week back when we were what you w- got? winning them. I said five and a half. That's what I said, too. And it's nine and a half. Yeah. Man. Now, usually when there's that big of a discrepancy, I'm, I'm all in. No. Right? I, but this is not one of those situations. There is, the Browns defense gave... So we talked about Mayfield and Kitchens. The Browns defense gave one of the most pathetic performances I've ever seen today. And so there is absolutely so we were right about a Ben Roethlisberger beard ass. We were right about the way that that game could have been wrong because the thing that was true about Cleveland is they got absolutely no pressure on uh, on Kyler Murray zero. And I think there, there's absolutely no way that they're going to be disciplined against Lamar Jackson no. the second time around. No chance. Ravens are going to win by a million. Uh, Jacksonville at Atlanta. The two teams have saved us this weekend, right? Uh, I had Atlanta minus six and a half. I had Atlanta minus four and a half. It is minus seven. What? Which, which I think, I think is probably on. And after what happened this week, I think if you take the if you take the players for Atlanta and add them up, okay, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not betting it. I'm let just me saying, let me I'm tell you. Saying. Let me tell you something. The Atlanta Falcons are hanging a banner. Before this game, for their win in San Francisco. Yeah, but the Jaguars have quit on the season. Right. The Atlanta Falcons just won the Super Bowl. They just made up for blowing a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl two years ago by beating Kyle Shanahan in his own place. Right, right. They are hanging a banner for this. It's not too dissimilar from when the Texans beat the Patriots and then came out and laid an absolute egg. I anticipate the falconiest of falcony uh, egg-laying ceremonies here. This this has uh, potential, in my opinion. Next, uh, this is a game that probably could have been in our opening set of games, but based on the Ryan Tannehill, Tennessee Titans, what the Tennessee Titans do, which is, oh, we've got you excited. You're pumped on the Tennessee Titans. We're going to go At poop At least that bed. game went under. They did their point part. Yeah, of- remember you tried to talk me out of that. I know. 
I know. There were two. Uh, the Cincy, New England. Then that hit, over. too. Yeah. You, know, you hate to see, Well, you just don't like seeing that. I have a note in my show notes that says, stop saying you hate to see and it I, so much. And I, I false started, but I, but I stopped. <laughs> uh, I have the Titans as a one-and-a-half-point underdog at home. Wow. Okay. I had them as three-point underdogs. I don't. You're I, gonna, s- uh, I see New Orleans favored by two. Okay. So right between where we're at. I would, yeah. I got to see how New Orleans plays tonight, but I would say, I would say that that number is probably on. You don't, you honestly don't know what you get with the Titans every week. So like, just leave the, you know, yep. let them be, let it go. As as also would say, Oakland, no, absolutely not. You're not sneaking that reference in. Oakland uh, goes to the Los Angeles Chargers. I, I assume this will be a home game for Oakland as well. So it's not all bad. It's the last game of the Coliseum. Yeah, last game of the Coliseum here. Uh, I have this as a pick. Uh, I have it as Chargers minus six. And it is Chargers minus five and a half. <laughs> the Chargers are the best five and nine team in NFL history. As they Now they at least have a negative point differential now after this week. I misspoke there. I had it uh, two and a half. I was looking at. Oh, Denver, Detroit? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, still, though, I mean, it's I, I actually can't fault you because I, I Oakland beat the Chargers last time they played. The Chargers are like a yeah. Jekyll and Hyde team, so it could. But to, I think to the be honest, respects them because they have a good point differential. I put two and a half before the games. Had I, had I done it after, I would have put a pick. So I would have been this wrong anyways. The Oakland loss to Jacksonville is a lot worse than the Chargers lost to a very good Vikings team. Sure. I think. Uh, we move to Denver. Denver came crashing back down to earth. Detroit is Detroit. Hey, they showed some spunk in the second half, though, did they not? Sure, this is true. Uh, I have, um, I actually don't have this as a pick. I have Denver minus three, which is going to be wrong. I said four and a half. Um, They're six and a half. Wow. Holy buckets. Man, that is a lot. Yeah, that's way too much. That is a ton. How much better is Drew Locke than David? Brown? I mean, it's not. That, it's not. We're going to get ourselves. Bad. In, we're we're going to get ourselves in trouble this week yeah. by saying that David Blau is better than uh, Drew Locke, much in the same way that we. Uh, so yeah, six and a half. Come on, man. I think it, from a pure Elo perspective, it makes sense because Denver weirdly going into the week had an above average Elo because they had been playing close games. Um, but if you add up the players, I think Detroit has players that can, even now with Marvin Jones out and all those guys, they still have players that can make, that make plays, Kenny Galladay being chief among them. Yep. Plus, uh, I don't know if Noah Fant got hurt. Did he come back in the game? But that Detroit, if, if Darius Slay is healthy, you know, he is a good matchup with yep. Cortland Sutton. Should be a fun matchup in a bad game. Yep. Arizona at Seattle. I have the Seahawks favored by Nine and a half. I'm the same as you, and it is minus 10, but it is minus 101. Hmm. So we're basically on market there. Interestingly, so this week, we talk about this week being bad, which it is. The matchups suck. This is the only game that's a double-digit spread, and it is barely so. So interestingly there, um, nothing more to comment on that. All right. Let's pick our three favorites. I think we should make this a little bit more of a of a, a thing, a, of a thing yeah. instead of like a haphazard, uh, you know, situation. Okay. okay. So, um, 
do you have uh, do you have a couple that you are keen on? I do. I think um, I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Carolina plus six and a half against the Colts. Yeah. Just cheating because the Colts haven't played yet this week, but still, I'm going to go with the Miami Dolphins minus one at home. And I'm going to go with the Chicago Bears plus five. Yeah, Bears plus five is is one of the ones that I... I let me swap that. Packers plus four in place of cheat, uh, Bears plus five. I like Packers plus four better. Yeah. Both of those are ones that, that I had circled. Uh, but I think, I think the two... So th- those two were kind of a tie for me in, in third place. I really... Uh, I, I do trust the Niners at home against against the Rams. Six and a half feels a little short. Um, Jacksonville getting seven against the Falcons, I think, is too too good to be true. Gardner Minshew in a dome. Come on, get out of here. Yeah. Um, and then here's kind of a sneaky one: uh, the Raiders getting five and a half against the Chargers. Yeah, I don't. I don't dislike that. I can. I can see a lot of people being like, Raiders are done. They've quit. No, and it, and it's like that is going to be. There are going to be so many Raider fans there. Well, not only that, but they're people playing playing for their jobs. Right. You think you think that team's going to want to move to L, to Las Vegas and bring your sorry ass with them? Right. No. Like, right. Unless you're actually good. So I'm actually going to throw both of the NFC North teams out, which I think is a sound strategy. And uh, my my trio of victories that I'm going to go home and bet are going to be the Niners, the Jags, and uh, and the Raiders. Nice. Going to go coastal. Uh, do you have any confessions for this week? Uh, trying to think. I I, I if well, you don't, I have a a question for you. Okay, let let, let me take the question. Okay. Because I think this will this is actually a well, decent question given what you've been through over the past couple of days. I was at dinner last night, and uh, something I was going to try to stop doing was, anyways, I was at dinner, and there was a couple with their kid at dinner as well, and the kid was just watching, you know, some cartoon on uh, on an iPad, and the parents were there enjoying their dinner, and the kid didn't make a sound the whole time. And I was kind of wondering myself, I don't know where I sit on this because you could get a babysitter and the kid could, could stay at home and then you could go enjoy this dinner with your wife or you'd be like, I'm going to save on the babysitter. I don't mind my kid being there, but you know, at least this way I know where the kid is and I'm just going to have him watch, you know, SpongeBob SquarePants or whatever. And I don't, I don't know which, uh, what, what to think of this. I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. So I defer to you as the parent. Would you do this? Yeah. I mean, when I have was, you done it? Yes. When I'm when I was younger, I used to judge parents up and down. I used to babysit my friends' kids. I used to like I, I was a great uncle. Oh, really? Okay. And and I used to I used to say never me, never me, never me. And then you get in the meat grinder yourself. And as somebody who like allowed my children this weekend while my wife is out of town to make slime slash gack and one of the girls got it all in her hair and i had to help her get it out like you do what works and you know babysitters i don't know like we you know when we go out babysitters are not cheap 
So if, I, if, right. you, if you can save on the babysitter and the kid, and the other thing is obviously technology. So you try to limit it and everything like that. Mm-hmm. But like, I mean, just do what works, right? I think that's the right the right answer. And I didn't have a problem with it. And I was shocked I didn't have a problem with it because I have a problem with most things. I mean, I think you, I think you know, though, being, I mean, like, you, you know, having worked with and having people work for you here that are like very broad in their abilities and very broad in their, what they need. Some people need their hands held. Some people can, are very independent. Like you have to do what works. True. The, the only issue I had with it was that I want my child to participate in eating dinner and I would like to think that I would enjoy their presence. But maybe you take breaks there. You pick and choose your battles. The, 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 no, you just the kid. The thing that you're so if you ever have kids, the thing that will irritate you the most is that kids do not eat. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. They looking eat. They, to that. eat they, they enjoy crap. Yeah. And, and you make them. That's ni- the part I'm not looking forward you, to. You make them nice food and they, they go, what the hell is this? And they don't Can eat I have some macaroni and cheese. Exactly. Yeah, I'm ready. So, like, for that. you're gonna hate. You're gonna hate that aspect of it because you're going to be giving. You're going to be like sneaking cheeses that they don't eat. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That that seems like a, a solid way to end yeah. the, the evening. I, I did. My confession is really just an admission of brilliance that I didn't. Uh, I didn't judge these this family. I kept an open mind. I wanted to hear your take. So, on it. so the only place where I'll judge is. If you get sloshed. Oh, no, that they were. See, yeah. see what I'm saying? Like, if you're getting just hammered. Don't you know, see that. Yeah. And your kid's there, that's a problem. But anything short of that, I think, is acceptable. I'm with you. All right. That was our show. We'll be back with you on Thursday uh, to talk about week 16. Thank you guys for tuning in. And we'll see you guys later. Peace out. <laughs>